Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up, and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and this is the most experimental episode I have ever done. So we were running a brand and marketing mastermind a month ago to the day, and a question came up from Natalia about running your business. I don't like the word mumpreneur, but as a mum entrepreneur, trying to run your business and balance your children and your um, your personal life, if you can have a personal life when you're you know, a parent and an entrepreneur. And I think it would be fair to say it kicked off quite a debate. There was some passionate um, contributions. Uh, and we were about half an hour into this, I think maybe longer. And I just thought that would have been brilliant to have recorded that because it was very real from real mums who are running real businesses. And of course, I could sense in the room every time I was answering, I was getting a few eyebrows going, yeah, but you're a man and you'll never understand. And I thought, well, I can put that to bed because I can get a few ladies on the show. (laughs) So if you're listening, you won't be able to see this, but we actually have eight ladies in our meeting room. Uh, all of whom have voluntarily put themselves up for this because they are mum entrepreneurs and they deal with on a daily basis all the struggles and challenges that if you're listening and you're a mum entrepreneur, you face and you feel that you're alone or that you're the only one that has to wrestle your children and wrestle your business. But in reality, there are a lot of you out there. Now, I just want to say as well, this doesn't exclude males or parents who are males or if you are the husband of a mumpreneur this is going to be very useful for you as well so i would definitely encourage all males to listen to this also i feel like i've got a lot of experience in this regard whilst i'm not a woman i mentor many women who have children of all different ages so we're just going to roll with it that's we're going to introduce everyone so that you know them they're just going to do a quick introduction about themselves and put um give you some relevance these are all people in my communities they're listeners to my podcasts they're not hired in or you know they're not like big celebrities out there um so they're real people doing this um would you say i've covered everything yeah. Yeah. Good. Tick, 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 tick. So what we're going to do is we're going to go around the table. There's eight, including me. You know me. Um, actually, I'll do me first because that's important. So I'm 41. I have two children who are six and nine. I've been in business for 15 years. And of course, I was six years in business before I had my first child. Um, so that's me. So, Amy, should we go to you? Thanks, Rob. My name is Amy Rowlandson, and I am a coach and podcaster. I've built up a property portfolio and I am a SAS trustee. I have two ch- children who are 17 and 15. Cool. Or I'm a 45. I'm a midlife beginner. <laughs> <laughs> midlife beginner. I like that one. 
Hi, I'm Jane Baylor. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm also a podcast host. I, I have a book and they're both called The Smart Connector. Um, my uh, business at the moment is, well, my time is split between uh, working with investors and also uh, working on my training programs. So that's what I do. I have um, three girls who are 25, 22 and 18. And I've been a step family and I've also been a single parent and that's what I am at the moment. So that's that's me. Thanks, Jane. Mm, thank you. I'm Tracy Fenton. I'm also a serial entrepreneur. Um, I'm 56. I started my first business when I was 23 um, and I've continued to open many other businesses along that time. So basically I had um, the business side before I had my children and then after the children I commenced with more, more businesses. Anything else? All good. Hi, I'm Claire Riley. I am 36. I founded Classroom Secrets. You might have heard of it during lockdown. Um, but I have two children. They are two and four. And um, I, I actually have done that business for eight years and three years into it. That was when I had my first children. Child. <laughs> All good. Thanks. I'm Kim. I'm 36 years old. I've got two children. One is four and the other one is two next week, day before Halloween. Um, I've got three businesses, incredibly cool events, the Kids Festival, both events-based businesses, unfortunately, and um, the new one, Award City. I started the first one in 2015 and found out that I was pregnant a month into that, which has been fun. I think you mean something else there, don't you? <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> I'm Kirsty Keanu Fard. I'm 33. I own a multi award winning organic spa that is now 10. I'm also an online business coach and specialise in helping wellness entrepreneurs to start and scale their business. And I'm a podcaster, and the podcast is called The Wellness Entrepreneur Podcast. My children, I have three. I have an eight-year-old and three-year-old twins, and my little boy also has autism, so that's an additional dimension. I got pregnant with my first when my spa was 12 months old, so it was full on. Some of you didn't time your pregnancies very well, did you? No, I don't think we knew what was to come. No, of course. <laughs> Hi, my name's Rachel Lynch. I'm 37 and my two children are 16 and 13. So talking about well-timed pregnancy, I actually fell pregnant in my last year at university. So I had my first child when I was 21 and went straight into business after um, finishing university. So I have multiple businesses that are all centred around children and young people both on and offline and I'm about to launch the Sexy Ladies Club which is to Can I help, join? Yes. <laughs> to help married women with kids just find their sexy again. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> we need to do an episode on that. <laughs> Great. Natalia? Um, my name is Natalia Lloyd. Um, so I am new to the entrepreneurial world. Um, I'm a founder of my interior design business, Natalia Wood Interiors. My background is actually corporate. I, I've got over 15 years of finance experience and I had my kids, um, so my daughters are three and five. Um, and as I had my second one, I decided that entrepreneurship is the way to um, mix those two roles. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so I've started my business um, end of last year. And what a year it's been. <laughs> good, good year to, to get into entrepreneurship, isn't it? <laughs> As we will soon find out. So, 
first off, thanks all for being here. Um, it was funny because when we decided to do this completely randomly, uh, I think uh, there were eight of you who are really interested and you're all here. So I don't know if that's good or I should be scared about that. Uh, what we want to do for the, the sake of people listening and watching is we now just want to have a very frank and open conversation for as long as it takes where we can all chuck in both our problems as raising kids and being parents and also some solutions from myself, obviously, in mentoring a lot of people and being the host of this podcast, but also your real practical experience. So let's do this. Right, let's go into this mum guilt then. So I'm going to let you spitball this. I've got some thoughts on this. Obviously, I have a wife of our um, nine and six-year-old children and I saw her go through the stages of various forms of guilt. She's at times tried to set up her own business and at times been a full-time mum. So I have observed it. And um, I mean, when lockdown kicked off, I think half the conversations I was having with all of my clients were with um, single parents or um, parents really struggling to um, build their business while they're having to homeschool their kids and everything's gone a bit crazy and intense. So um, who feels mum guilt? Me. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I just would like to give um, some perspective here because I think that... Do you feel mum guilt? Have you felt mum guilt? Uh, yes, um, and I think it's natural for all mothers to feel guilt because I think that we are hardwired to feel guilt and it's not a bad thing because it's the way that we're, we're um, conditioned to protect our children. But one thing that I've learned is that I still don't, I'm still not a perfect parent, uh, I never was. But um, as my children have grown up, that, uh, that guilt thing, it's a bit like um, giving birth to a business in a way. In the beginning, it feels so hard and you're not getting the, the results that you want. And it just all feels like a struggle and every day is tough. And then when the children finally grow up, you think, my God, I've actually created these people and you know they're fully formed human beings and they're good human beings and despite everything that we've been through together that that lessens the guilt so mm. i just wanted to kind of inspire people who've got younger children because however hard it feels it's it's going to be worth it in the end and just having guilt is just part of being a mother so if i could if i could make my first contribution then we'll throw it back to you so um i agree with jane completely Guilt is a uh, very important emotion as a mother, as an entrepreneur. If Guilt is your response to a situation which forces you to evaluate if you're behaving in a way that aids your survival or not, ultimately. And um, I don't think the guilt of being a mum or, for example, a, a business owner, I don't think it will ever go away. You can get some good balance and then something goes out of kilter or you just have a bad day with your kids. You know, you have a bad day, you shower them or you just don't think you're, you know, you sometimes forget that they're the child and you're the adult and I should behave like an adult. <laughs> and then when you behave like a child for a moment, when they're the child, <laughs> yeah, and all this kind of stuff. I bicker with Bobby and, and my wife reminds me, he's the child and you're the adult. <laughs> yeah, but he's wrong. Um so uh, guilt, I think, is a necessary emotion. So I think the first thing that's important to say is um, I don't think it, I think we're going down the wrong road if you think you can get rid of guilt as a mother. I think it's just a feedback mechanism for you to work out are your priorities right? And obviously, when you've got young children, you're going to have way more guilt because I think naturally your priorities need to be on the 
the child. I'll chuck that back in, in the ring in a moment. Something else I just want to say about that Jane said. Because I'm going to challenge Jane slightly on this. I definitely agree with it, but I want to challenge her. You know, at the start, business is really hard and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Actually, if I look back into year one of business, I have quite a lot of nostalgia. Like many people, when their kids have moved away, they have nostalgia when they were young. Mm -hmm. Because when Mark and I started Progressive, you know, we had dreams, we had aspirations. There was no overhead, no staff. We could do what we want when we were want. We were all excited. Oh, these two young hustlers. In fact, I've brought back my old hairstyle from when I was 25. <laughs> and I think, you know, we say it's really hard now. It's hard, 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 hard. And then it gets easier. Don't wish it away. Don't wish away those early years. It's not always hard and it doesn't always get easier. I think you go through stages as a parent, don't you? Yeah. And you think, oh, I'm out of this stage. This will be easy. And then I become a teenager. <laughs> and then, oh, I'm out of that stage. So I just wouldn't want anyone to assume it's really hard for the first few years and then a lot better at the end. I think that... Um, every situation you're in has an upside and a downside. So when they're young, there's an upside and a downside. And when they're older, there's an upside and a downside. And I think wisdom is figuring out what those upsides and downsides are. Because mm. so many mums I've spoken to, you know, they miss that, that they could hold their child, you know, when the child doesn't actually want to talk to them anymore or locks their bedroom. <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah. when they could actually hold yeah. them, when they couldn't talk. How good was that when they actually couldn't answer <laughs> yeah. back? Um, so yeah, anyone else want to chuck in any more yeah, about um, the guilt? I don't want to sound too hard, but I didn't have too much guilt um, my mother didn't have to work my father didn't want my mother to work she, it was always mum and she's no longer here but a daughter loved her um, when dad died at like 59 she was 55 she had no life we'd grown and left home and I didn't want that to happen to any children I, I was going to have so I mean my dad put it into me very young because he was um, a manager director of an engineering company and he was also you know go for your career go for your career so I, I knew from the start I didn't want to go down that road of being at home. So the first business we had was when I was 23. It was a building company. We set, I didn't have children then, my husband. And then I had my first one at 25. And then I was off for two years with him because I became debilitated with an illness. And then once I got better, that was it. I was going to go off there and I was going to work towards my career. So I didn't have any guilt really in leaving him because um, I had my mother that was still around then and I had the support of my husband. But the thing there for me was sanity. I needed to go. I've always wanted to learn. That's why I'm a teacher. Educate, educate, educate. And if anything, um, it did my kids, both my, my daughter and my son, the world of good to see mum work really hard, but also they used to sometimes come in with me with the businesses. So they know what it's about. So I wouldn't want to change it in any way because they've both got really good work ethics. They're not yet entrepreneurs, but they've got really good work ethics. Um, that saying, of course, you do think about your children through the day when you're working and the oxytocin us women have, I don't know if guys have that, but that kicks in a bit, you know, you do think, oh, I'm so looking forward to seeing them when I get home. But it, it, that guilt side, there's got to be, you know, it has to be worth it, in my opinion, what you're going to be doing or what you're doing, whether it's you're going to have a career or you're going to have your own career in, a, in your own business. It's got to be really worth it, but it's also got to be right up here for you as well. So just thought I'd just add that bit. That's what we're here for. That's fair. I find a lot of guilt. Like, I love to work. I love it. I love my businesses. I've done it since I was 23. I've never had a proper job. And I love it. And a lot of the guilt I've experienced is projected guilt. 
So there'll be the little comments from people like, oh, he's still working. Or, um, oh, can't you make sports day? Or something like that. And I was fine with it through my sort of own values. But then you sort of, you're pulled into question and then there's that sort of comparison thing. But what I, how I overcome it, I always sort of try and check in and I wonder if you guys feel like this is, I'm on the right track with the, with the future me and the future kids and think, will I remember in 20 years that sports day? Or will I, re- or will I remember the experiences that maybe if I work that bit harder, I can create this amazing holiday for them and we can go and we can celebrate it. So a lot of the guilt I experience is projected guilt. I didn't have, I've never had maternity leave. So I was pregnant within that first year, but I had, I was working seven days a week and my spa was, had one other person. I didn't have a choice. Like I could have given back the keys, but I still would have had to pay the rent. So my mum was bringing my daughter in, like I was breastfeeding home between treatments. It was like hell on earth because I had these two things that I loved, but it was just resilience. I, I knew I could, I knew if I could just get past this little bit. And then the other area, the biggest arena of guilt that I feel now is since my son's diagnosis with autism, because I've not met one other mum, maybe there's one here, who has a child with autism that works. Mm-hmm. And it's that same narrative, like, oh, you still work. And so I have to work really hard to keep pulling myself back to what's important to me, my family, my kids, and knowing that doing something I love makes me a better mum. But that's why I'm here. Society doesn't always support that. And so you've got to fight harder to sort of maintain it. Mm. So let's see if we can talk about, you know, the fact that you have an autistic child for a while. But I think you've raised a really good point, which I think we should expand on. I am taking notes. If we go on tangents, hopefully I'll be able to bring it back because I know we're still on mum guilt, as it were, but I'm moving on to another thing. But what you said about other people's apparent projections onto you, I think that's an important thing to discuss. But there's two areas here. One, people will pass judgment on you. You know, look down their nose or whatever. But sometimes they're not really doing it. You just perceive they're doing it because of your own guilt, which is on edge for it. Yeah. Um, So does anyone else around the table have any things that people judge you on, you then start to feel guilty about because they're judging you on it? Like how much you should be going to every sports day and every parent evening and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I used to get that. People would say to me, oh, I didn't see you at the sports day. Oh, I didn't see you at the... Um... Which could just be a flippant, naive, innocent yeah. comment, couldn't it? It's not necessarily judgment. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't that... There was somebody there. It had either been my husband or yeah. sometimes me or sometimes my mother. You know, as long as there was somebody there that's very close to those children in, within the family to be there. And I think that a lot of the time the children just want to see a familiar face, don't they? That's what they're looking. They're looking out for mum, dad or nan or granddad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, yeah, it did happen. But mm. I think it's going to continue to happen. But you, like Rob said, it could just be some people are going, when you're back to work then, or, yeah. or you're not at work yet. You yeah. know? And sometimes it's just mm. chit-chat, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's and you could get judged easy. either way, you know. You yeah. might yes, get judged you if you work, yeah. you get judged yeah. if you don't. Oh, you will do you get judged either if you way. Yeah. You yeah. will, no matter what you do, you will get judged. Yeah. 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 So you might as well get judged doing something that's right for you and your family and your legacy yeah. than just always pandering to that individual's judgment. You will. I say this to a lot of my people when they're online and they're, they're worried about putting themselves out there or getting critiqued. You will get judged no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So... 
you know, we think it takes a lot of strength to be ourselves, but if you're going to get judge anyway, it's actually easier just to be yourself. Yeah, just make sure you don't judge yourself and do things that you well, think this you should is, be doing. This again. is where a lot of it comes from. That all they did was raise an eyebrow or all they did was make a fairly um, loose passing comment and you make it means, or you can make it yeah. mean so much because underneath it triggers you because you're actually thinking, oh yeah, because it's unresolved in you. Yeah. So Gil, um, I think it's, interesting to talk about what guilt is so in, in my opinion and I've done a lot of research onto this and I've got um, a couple of mentors one in particular who is very wise around human emotions and I would challenge everyone to think that guilt is an imbalanced perception so guilt we feel is a one-sided emotion it's not a balanced emotion it's a one-sided extreme emotion because you know there's something on the other side of guilt which is maybe a feeling of freedom so what it is is it's an imbalanced perception as feedback to you that you sense that something isn't right for you to put back into balance whether that's how you see yourself or how you behave or what you focus on so back to your point, Jane, guilt is a really valuable emotion. And I think if we're trying to live guilt-free, well, I, th I think that's delusion because we need it because we might be going along swimmingly and then something happens and we need the guilt to actually make us check in and evaluate. So I think understanding what guilt is, because um, it's a horrible emotion. I can imagine as a mum, because there's nothing worse than feeling the emotion and then beating yourself up because you're feeling it. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to sort of share. I think that I think every emotion is feedback to put you into balance. It's a reward emotion or it's a survival emotion. Um, yeah. Anyone else experience any guilt? Well, I wonder whether regrets on the side of guilt. So you're always being torn between if you don't try that and don't fulfil what you want to do at that point in time, that you're going to regret it. But then you've got the guilt on the other side. So that's probably the... So what guilt leads to regret, you mean? It can do. Or it's a warning not to regret. If you, so you're, you're being pulled. And I, mean, I don't feel any guilt with my children because I didn't go back to work till they were 12 and 10. So they didn't really need me as much at that point as when they were a lot younger. Mm. And again, I, you, I'll argue a case with that. But again. you didn't work for 10 to 12 years. Not, yeah. No, exactly. And going back to work, I was working part time, which ended up being sort of four days, five days, whatever. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And then I realised, well, why am I doing this? I could be working for myself. So I came out of that and started the, my own property business, which was with the aim to get my husband out of his work because he was working ridiculous hours. And by the time that I was working, I had two years back in the city again, and I had no pair. And it's been the best thing that ever happened in our family dynamic because the children had a bridge between an adult and themselves. And she was an older lady, an older, older au pair she was in her late 20s and she came from Spain and the reason I say this is because we were talking about this in, our, in the mastermind this morning sometimes you think you're the right person to be there all the time actually I wasn't all the time this person who came into our family has been the best thing and she's been still with us now sort of not living with us but in this family dynamic and it's five and a half years later it's fantastic because they got so much out of somebody else's emotions and feelings and soundboarding and talking to them so actually sometimes you you're not I didn't need to be there and I could do other things and now I spoke to my daughter about this this morning coming in knowing that I was going to talk about this and she said that they both my daughter and son have got huge amounts of independence and they said that was because I gave them the space so sometimes actually stepping back and giving space was is a better mm. 
way of parenting. So we're going to come back to that in a moment because mm. that's important. And then we're going to go back to guilt because um, we're going to get this all out. So um, John Demartini said to me, nothing you do as a parent is a mistake to your child. And that was another, I told you about something he said in the back of the Range Rover, which out yoded <laughs> me when I thought I was catching him up. I was like, I've got my green light saber out and he just gives his red one out, you bastard. Um, but he said to me, you, as a parent, you make no mistakes with your children. I couldn't get my head around it because there was things like maybe me not seeing them enough or maybe me pushing Bobby a bit hard with his golf where I would feel guilt and I'd perceive I'd make mistakes. And I remember something happening which taught me the lesson that John was trying to teach me. So there was a time, he was only like four years old. I mean, he, he could, he'd already had holes in one and he was playing around on the golf course. He could drive the buggy at four. Um, and it was lovely. But of course, I was pushing that. And, you know, some of the more, those people who look down their nose, have been like, oh, that's a bit too much for a four-year-old to be doing. I had a lot, lot of those voices. Anyway, he just was kicking off. It was just one of those days he didn't want to go. He was kicking off you know, like proper meltdown. And he was near the road and I needed him to get away from the road and he wasn't listening to me. So I pushed him away from the road, but I definitely gave him a bit too much of a push. I was like, you fucking have that as well. You know, like, <laughs> like I, I will admit, I like, and he, and he, and he had his golf clubs. Like, he went rolling and his legs went in the air. And, and, and he started crying and I felt like the worst dad in the world. I felt immediately fucking awful. What have I done? I'm the worst parent in the world, even though, you know, I think every day you don't punch kids in the face, you need a medal and, you know, I've just... <laughs> And we sat in the car and it was 15 minutes of silence and I was so angry and he was so angry. And then this guilt kicked in and then I went onto Audible and I got, I'd never listened to a parenting book before. And I went and downloaded every single parenting book on Audible and that event started our journey in personal development in parenting and reading parenting books and me and, and my wife talking about our parenting and thinking about how we um, parent our children. And I just remember hearing Dr. Martini in my mind say nothing you do is ever a mistake and that wasn't a mistake because that kick-started the process of me starting to actually take a more strategic approach to parenting so what you've just said there amy is a more distant parent could raise a more independent child um, and the other side of that is a more hands-on parent could raise a dependent child so i always kept trying to say to to my wife, nursery is fine as long as it's not all the time. Grandparents is fine as long as it's not all the time. Babysitters every now and again is fine as long as it's not all the time because Gemma would, she would struggle to do a lot of that because she felt the responsibility that she's the mother. But if you mother your child and they're six years old and they've never seen their grandparents and they've never gone, never gone to nursery and that all they've had is you as a mother, you could argue that creates dependency. They could be overly juvenile. So um, actually knowing when you should back off and delegate as a parent. Another thing I remember wildly vividly as a kid, my granddad died quite young. Like I was young, he was young. So I guess I was eight um, and I was confused. That looked like someone had pressed the buttons to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I just said granddad. <laughs> Oh, Holy shit. He's, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, if you're listening to the audio, we just talked about my dead granddad and all the lights just flickered. <laughs> um, I just remember being told and I was so upset and I didn't understand why he'd been taken from um, me so young. 
and um, remembering, cherishing all the time I had with him and probably would have liked more time with him. Um, and so what a great gift my parents were giving me was actually let me spend time with my um, grandparents. Um, so thanks for, for raising that. I think um, you running your business and having time for yourself probably equally serves your children to be independent and strong. And, and um, back to Tracy's point, I think in parenting, you can talk to your children till you're blue in the face, but they will copy what you do. Like the, you know, the, the, the 29 days out of 30 when you're a perfect parent and then the one day when you tell them to fuck off or you say something stupid and then, of course, they... Um, of course, I saw many of you in this room have not told your child to fuck off. I get that. But I have. I have told my child. I have. And, um, and I've only done it once. And I was under high stress at the time and he never forgets it. Um, they never forget. No, they, they never forget. Anyway, um, so, guilt. Any more? Any more? conversations about guilt well can i just add to actually quite a few points that you've mentioned as well i think um and it probably correlated to guilt as well and i can't remember where where i've read this but all children need is feeling loved and it goes much deeper than being constantly there for them so i I, there's adults there's friends there's um family members that um, we're having deep conversations with and all their problems in adulthood come from one feeling because as people as parents we do make mistakes the parenting as we say doesn't come with a handbook that that's what you do and you get your um, brownie points and um, but you can make all mistakes you possibly can think of as long as your child feels truly loved and whichever way you decide to communicate that to your child, whether it's physical, whether it's verbally, as long as that is there, I think that's already a huge brick in their personality building. Mm. They say at the moment as well, don't they, the importance around love is unconditional as opposed to conditional love. I can imagine the science of loving your children is going to evolve over time because you imagine parenting 30 or 40 years ago was a very different. Um, but I, I, I think to add to that, Natalia, I think a lot of the experts are saying loving them unconditionally because as parents, we can want them to do things for us. And so we will show them love when they do things for us. And it's, a, it's really hard because you are imposing your values on your children and that is your job as a parent, but they also their own person discovering their own values. Another thing Mr. Wise, John Martini said to me is, um, you will learn as much from your children as they will learn from you. And I remember again thinking, well, that's nonsense. I'm going to teach you to be world number one golfer. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but I, I, I think they challenge you to grow as much as you challenge them to grow. And if I observe a family dynamic, I see my wife who's very strong on her values and how she wants to raise our kids. I'm, my values are different and I would raise them differently. Now, of course, because she's, you know, I'm building the business and she's looking after the children, although it's a bit more blended than that. It's a bit more modern, but that's just for conventional arguments sake, say that. I, she would do more of the hands-on parenting, but she, they get the nurturing and the support from her, but they get the challenge and the independence. And I, I just go do it, chuck them out, go do it, just get it done. And I, I push them into challenging environments because that's how, what my dad did to me, I suppose. 
And actually, I would probably argue they would need both. They would need challenge and support. So I've got my values going, this is how I want to raise my kids. But my wife's going, well, actually, I've got my values. This is how I want to raise my kids. But what a lot of people forget is there's this little child that goes, but wait a minute, I've got my own values and this is who I'm growing up to become. And that's a very um, elegant and complicated myriad of values, conflicts and struggle going on. Um, and so I think remembering that they're their own person and allowing them to be their own person, which sometimes means crack on and do your work and let them figure shit out. Like I think a gift I could probably give, we could all give many uh, mums listening, is from time to time, just crack on and let them get on with it, as long as they're not gonna kill themselves or anyone else, and do a couple of hours work or get yourself down the gym and do something for you. Because of, cause then if you're all focused on them, your guilt is gonna turn to resentment. When you're a mum, but what about you? So why don't we talk about that? Okay, you were going to say something about guilt, I think. You, and, then, and then let's talk about the, the balance of being a mum and being an independent woman. Yeah. Or man, if you are a, ma a male parent. So I just think that guilt... Or gender neutral, if you've decided to be gender neutral as a parent. I'm glad you cover it on basis. But I just... <laughs> I think that guilt is about perception. And I think... You know, obviously you mentioned before about um, lots of different comments. There are probably a lot of comments that happen, but we, we focus on the ones that we feel something about. Sure. So like one of the comments I've had recently is like, oh, your two-year-old is going to nursery for four days. Well, that would not be my choice, but I can't send them to grandparents. Um, yeah. But the reason why that's, I'm telling you this because I remember, because my perception is that I shouldn't do that, mm -hmm. but I have no choice. Whereas there might be another comment that I haven't remembered because in my world that, that's not something to feel guilty about and I can, I can put it to one side. So I think if we're aware of our perception of guilt, then we can step back. And I think one of the ways I deal with it is it's a constantly changing situation and I would mitigate that and think, okay, well, if she goes four days, then I can send a term time and I'll, I'll take the holidays back. And it's just one practical example of all the different ways you could step back and think, right, okay, how do I not feel guilty all the time? But we shouldn't mm. have to justify this. So what you've just said, because I think we've got, to, we're the same age, and we've got children the same age, that's good. I was thinking about putting Billy, my youngest one, into nursery for four days, and when you said that, I was like, oh my God, better not put him into nursery for four days. Oh, no, is yeah. that bad? Is that a bad thing? However, my husband's a teacher, and we don't generally tend to work holidays, I will, you know, work in holidays, but we do try and make family time in the holidays. Mm -hmm. So even just in this room, when we were all having a conversation about it, I was just like, oh my goodness, I'd better email the nursery now and tell them Billy's not going for four days because that's a bad thing. But it isn't, and it's, it's a, a judgment. We're, thing. It's, it's a, a different, different thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're our own worst enemy because we're putting the judgment on ourselves. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm pretty sure that people think you're pretty amazing for breastfeeding your child in between clients <laughs> and working and every woman around the table, but we feel... I know you guys are actually really nailed it over there, but I feel like we feel a little bit that we shouldn't be doing these things. But, but actually, yeah, but says who? ourselves yeah this is the problem well then if, if if you're saying to yourself you shouldn't and you know you shouldn't that's good feedback if you're questioning everything and saying should i shouldn't i about everything that's probably a lack of clarity of your own vision and purpose yeah as a a, a mum and an entrepreneur because who sorry. says anything 
There is no rule for how many hours you should put your child into nursery. There sh probably should be some guidance and then we wouldn't feel so guilty. <laughs> but I think you'd find something, if you feel guilty, you'll find something else to, to feel, feel guilty, guilty about. about. Absolutely, I, I agree. Yeah. I also think, you know, it, it resonates with me. And I think one of the reasons is I didn't put my eldest in, in nursery four days at this age. And and it's if a certain family member would say it, it's not necessarily that, that you really feel it, it's that you didn't want them to bring that up and, and put it yeah. on you. Yeah. But Kim, you said lovely words about me earlier on, right? My, my kids were in nursery pretty much full time, like as soon as they could. And you don't consider me anything less of a parent or as a, as a businesswoman because I did that. You haven't judged us on that. No, all. because then this is my whole point. We judge ourselves. I actually think you're incredible for doing that and, and getting where you've got to. But I don't know what it is. I think when you can talk to your internal self and say, actually, that's right. An accountant said to me the other week, oh, you're a working mum, that's brilliant. I worked all the way through. My children are really resilient. So stuff like you ladies have said that, that you know, she went to work and they went into nursery. I actually know in my head, so my head bit tells me that's good for them. They're going to be resilient. Um, highly likely to get COVID lately, actually, but, you know, <laughs> COVID aside. But in a normal world, it is good for them not to have to depend on us all the time. But then the emotional, you know how you've got, like, your head chimp and then your emotional chimp it's the emotional one for me personally that takes over and then it turns into resentment then i want to kill my husband i won't do that by the way um you know because you feel guilty about, about doing that <laughs> yeah. that is it every time i have a conversation with my husband yeah exactly I'm, i feel guilty because i'm like i should be coping with all of this so i am my own worst enemy because i think i've got to be this amazing mom and i've got to I be just an amazing thing. should and gotta is language of an an unrealistic perception. You, you, there's, there's nothing you should be. And there's nothing you've got to do. As soon as you start saying, and you plural, not yeah. uh, just you, Kim, but, um, you know, when we say, I should, I ought to, I must, I have to, yeah. they are subordinated external values, essentially, that we're trying to live up to. There's, yeah. no, there's no... Let me just pause that thought. Something else I've learned from Dr John, who should be paying me for all these shout-outs he gets, John, if you listen, um, is there, there is no right or wrong in parenting. I'd even go to the point where some extreme things you could give examples of, you could argue, have upsides. So um, if you fundamentally believe that you take any situation and that you could examine in your life and it has some upsides and some downsides, equally balanced upside and downside, then if you apply that life rule to parenting then essentially your decisions create a different outcome and destiny for your child but not necessarily better or worse i'll give you an example like on a generic level we've all been in situations where we felt this is horrible i hate it i want to get out of this i can't stand this there's no good in this and then two years later we've looked back and gone actually that i learned some of the most the best things in my life and that was actually one of the best experiences in my life because you have hindsight to see the upside but in the emotional pain you could only see downside yeah so when you if you send your children to nursery every hour you can that's not good or bad that's just different because, for example, um, as you'll all know if you've done this, the speech for your children comes on no end at nursery because they're talking and interacting with other kids. Whereas you leave them home all the time, that's great. They've got you five days a week and they can't speak till they're 15, you know, which is obviously... <laughs> so in, in any... Uh, um, why am I saying this? To try and help relieve the guilt. 
because anything that I think that you do that you try to raise with your children serves them in some ways and hinders them in others. So there'll be other instances where you felt like, oh, I've been a good parent and I've done good. And actually that would have created some downside that you didn't yeah. see. I, I just think that helps balance our emotions because, you know, guilt and resentment and all these sort of, they're quite extreme, volatile emotions, which can defocus you away from, well, how do I want to be as a parent? And I suppose how you want to be as a parent is actually sitting down and thinking, what are my values? And how do I want to raise my children? Yeah. And I, I don't think I, because you know what Natalia said, oh, well, there's no rule book. Of course there isn't. So then it gets a lot of people just go, oh, well, I'll just do my best. But, but without a plan, but you're allowed to have a plan as a yeah. parent. Something that happened to me, which is I did, wasn't working, but I still put the children into nursery. So just because I, I felt I gave them better quality time, because I had some space for me as well. So it wasn't just about the working and being a working mum and putting them into nursery as well. It's about you. So you yeah. don't think it's all about the work. It's also about you being a person and having your independence as well. Yeah. Yeah, I did the same with mine. Yeah, not full, it wasn't full time, but sometimes mm. when I was pregnant with my, with my second, it, it, sometimes it was full time because I was exhausted. Yeah. And it was better for her to be in that environment than being at home and, and me not being able to mm. give her full attention. And on that note, you actually prefer your children. You know, like, I'll go home today and in the morning, because they'll be asleep by the time I get home, I will love them more than I've ever loved them. And then half an hour yeah. to get them ready for school and nursery, I'll be like, for goodness sake, when my mum come back, mum, come back, help. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, do, I do know what you mean. And I think this is, for me, so great about being part of the mastermind. I know this is just a bit separate to that. But again, reconnecting with you, Rachel, and always thinking what an amazing mum you were to do all you know, everything that you did. And yes, they did go to nursery and pre before I got pregnant, I thought, well, it's going to be dead easy. I remember my colleague saying, how are you going to run this when you've got a baby? She's going to sit there in a carry cot, isn't it? <laughs> Completely clueless. <laughs> well, and then when they get older, they go to nursery. I did not know or expect this emotion that comes with it, the, the, the guilt, I suppose. Mm. But it is good to hear everybody talking about it because you think, oh, yeah, that is right. And, yeah, I do like it when mm. I go back and I've had a day with actual adults. So I prefer my children. They'll get nicer to me tomorrow. Well. Yeah, yeah definitely, yeah, because I'm nicer to them. <laughs> yeah. When they haven't seen you for a little while, they're nicer to you. Yeah. I, I, you yeah. know, what do they say? Very common absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. So if you feel like they're just taking you for granted a bit, a little bit of separation, a little bit, is no harm. I remember when my dad sent me to a rugby camp, which I hated him for, for probably 25 years. <laughs> and I realised late, later, 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 the great gift that was to me to be thrown in that very uncomfortable situation for a week and how much it makes you grow and, and independent. And I had a very um, hands-off raising because my mum and dad always had pubs and bars and clubs and hotels and they worked full-time. And so probably until eight, nine, my sister and I were living upstairs uh, above a hotel or a bar pub or a bar that was busy, that was noisy, that was, you know, heaving until two o'clock in the morning. Mum and dad, you know, they'd sort of leave us at sort of 5.30 p.m. They'd go and open up and we'd just be up on our own the whole time. I could cook, clean, wash and everything probably by the age of nine. Um, and when I went to school and university and, and got sent off to places, I, I could just completely and utterly fend for myself. And that... Their parenting in that regard created a great upside to me. 
I also am a bit lonely at times and feel I need more love and I'm a and that created a downside because I wasn't yeah. you know very coddled and nurtured so I suppose wisdom in parenting is understanding that you make no mistakes in your children but you have a clear plan and a strategy of how you want to raise them and you realize that every mistake you make is also a gift to them so that you alleviate your own guilt and try and get a good blend of equally serving them and equally serving you. I think as well, having the planned strategy, yes, but also knowing that you can change it if it doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. So for yeah. me, one of my biggest... Which is probably guaranteed, isn't yeah. it? Your plan probably isn't going to work. You, you change the plan. Definitely. I think for me, one of those moments where you kind of get that um, bit of shame from someone's silly comment, and it was that my kids didn't ever had a bad time. Never. But that was because... Myself and my husband both coached on an evening. He's a football coach and I was coaching cheerleading. So it was impossible for us to have that um, nighttime routine. So we had a morning routine and we made things special then. And then our nighttime routine was when you get in, whenever we get in, because I had my kids with us, you know, like rolling around on the mat at the side. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, when we came in, that was our routine start, whatever time that was. And I had to adapt that. And I always remember somebody making us feel like absolute crap because I didn't have like a seven o'clock bedtime or whatever. But that worked for us because mm. we still have that. Now my kids are 16 and 13. And my kids still know when we're getting on a night time, no matter what time it is, we're around the table and we'll have our, our dinners or yeah. whatever. Like that's our chat time. Um, so I, I feel like not not kind of um, bowing to the typical parent pattern also would help with that guilt as well. Yeah, because there, there there is no specific model, mm. and again, having a clear plan and then reacting to that plan when it all gets chucked out the window. So let me change the subject a little bit here. Ooh. <laughs> is this is me? I'm going to take a bit of a risk here. Do you think that business is more geared towards men? Are you, is it difficult? Are you in a man's, I hear some women say, look, you know, we're in a man's world. It's a man's world. Men rule the world. It's easier for men, etc. What do you think about all that? And I'm just going to shut up and, and let you put your points across. It depends what industry you're in, what your business is in. Um, I'm, I'm in aesthetics and cosmetics. So uh, my industry, yes, there are men in, in the industry, but it's dominated by women. So I don't have any challenges with regard to, if, if anything, a lot of the men that are coming into our industry now are trying to nudge their way in with all the women. You know, they want to be, they want to be seen and everything. Yeah. Um, so I've never found that a, ch a challenge at all. But I did in my career at one point when I uh, sold all my businesses, I decided I want to just be an employee, and I went to work for I don't can I say a brand name here? Of course yeah, you can. I went to work for Yellow Pages in its heyday. Yeah. You know when it was that big big thing. Um, that you stand on to reach to the sink. And, um, <laughs> Which I'm sure they love hearing. Yeah. <laughs> well, they used to have adverts like that. Yeah. 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 Um, and, what's what was I saying? Uh, man, we're on a man's world. Oh, yeah, man's yeah. world. You forgot, forgot yeah. about men then. Um, but that was quite dominated <laughs> That's all right. by the men within there. And yeah, it, it was quite difficult to prove. And a lot of our area managers were men as well. And, and would you say you had an unfair advantage then? in that career no they did their best to um 
try not to put it that way, but the, I would say the guys, when they hit their targets better maybe than the women on the one occasion, they would be cheered and look, you know, good on you and all that. Whereas with the women, it was a bit like, oh, well done, Tracy. Um, so, yeah, I've never really come across that, but I believe in um, maybe the city, the corporate world. I still hear from colleagues that there is a big difference still there, and even in pay as well. Um, but going back to men, I mean, when I when I had my kids, guys didn't get the um, maternity. Paternity, is it? Mm. Whereas they, they have that now as well, yeah. don't they? So there has been changes, but in terms of um, it really affecting my career. No. So so you're in more of a female-led industry? I am, in, yes, I definitely yeah. am. Anyone feel the opposite? Uh, well, I mean, I've always worked in a very male-dominated um, environment, mostly because I worked at quite a, quite a high level in media in London. And you get to a certain point, there are women, uh, you know, board directors and so on in London, but they are more in the minority. And now, it's certainly my property work, because I work in development and finance and so on, then it's almost, I would say, predominantly very male-dominated. And so I've found myself for my entire career being surrounded by men. And I do notice that a lot of them are very well supported by the women in their lives. And I noticed that a lot of the women are just expected to do it all. Now, I'm, I'm again, I can't make generalizations because I know that there are some wonderful men and husbands and, and you know, very supportive men out there. But I see, in terms of trends, I do see that, uh, that there is perhaps more men that I have met who are more fully supported by the women in their lives, you know, in terms of their career, and more women who are kind of doing it despite mm. the men in their life. And I feel as though that was probably my story. I would agree with that. I think there's a slight, you feel there's a slight got to work that little bit harder. Like in our relationship, we, we're both entrepreneurs and yeah. it's always been, he's incredibly supportive, but it's always been sort of expected that his business would get given more airtime. Does that not motivate you more though? Yeah, but that's yeah. my sort of personality. And, and it's tables have turned recently, so he isn't, he isn't working at the moment. And so that's been really interesting over lockdown, things changed. Um, and I work in an industry where, you know, I help wellness entrepreneurs grow their business. And so all my clients are women. And what you see in that space is they're, they're so passionate about what they do, so committed, like they want to make a difference. But there is a fear around, there's a narrative of, but I suck at business. I'm no good at business. That's a man's world. And... I think Which that was me. It's nonsense, isn't it? Let's yeah. be honest. Biz I'm not saying it might not be a man's one in certain areas, but business is equally for men and women, isn't it? Yeah. But for example, in the training schools, like where people are learning different wellness practices, there's no modules on business. So they're being sent out with the practice, being a practitioner in X, Y, and Z, thinking that they just go, I'm here. That's common in coaching and all of that, where they're taught the the practice but not the sales and the marketing yeah. and, and that yeah and so you just i just see this like it's this big bad scary man's world and when Do you think if you had half men clients you might have a different view yes do you I think, think that, yeah. i think if i'm looking at just my industry that women do dominate it and yeah. that's something that i do see that they they but it's just a belief i think it's not it's not true it's, yeah. it's absolutely not true yeah. some of them you show them a few bits and they're like really yeah. okay yeah i can do this yeah um it's just a belief where that belief comes from you know whether that is just a societal sort of belief or whatever mm. um but yeah i do definitely see that but i think social media has leveled the playing field a lot i think that 
in some ways women have an advantage on social media. Like? Um, very personable. So maybe things like Facebook Lives and, and comments and chatting. And, you know, we were, I don't probably remember as well, but like the MSN Messenger back in school. Like I was on that for hours. <laughs> and I definitely used my skills from yeah. back then now with the comments yeah. section and stuff. I don't know, maybe there's, there's an ability to bring that. So be more yourself in business. That so business doesn't have to look a certain way, whereas yeah. maybe like 10, 15 years ago, it was like all suited and booted, whereas yeah. now, you know, pink hair and wear a hat. Or you can do whatever you want, yeah. and maybe women are starting to feel that that makes it a bit more of a friendly space. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. It's feeling more empowered. Yeah. But just going, just want to go back to what you said about Rob. You asked the question about when I was in, in business um, about um, the balance between male and female. Um, I didn't really experience it that much, but I experienced it more at home because um, I, I, when I got to thirty-three, I got married when I was quite young, so. If, when I got to 33, he built, we both built the business together. At that point, I'd done the university, all the teacher training, I had the two children, um, and I left him to his business then. And then I was wanting to start up my business, then the imbalance, then that's when it became a problem that where you're working, you know, I work more hours than you, you're working less hours, although I was working evenings as well, that it was expected that he didn't have to come back at a certain time to allow me to go off and teach at night that's when it hit me more than anything and that was the worst thing you could do because I, you know, he was really black or white with him and um, bless him, if he ever gets to hear this, he, he won't be angry because we're good friends, but um, if, if that's that. Is he, is he an ex? Yeah, he's my oh, ex-husband. That says yeah. it all then, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we, you know, but we just yeah. couldn't get home yeah. in time. That it's just, it's <laughs> that, his upbringing was, you know, his mum and dad went to work, but when mum come home, dad would sit and mum would do all the work and look after the five boys. Mm. Yeah. So not that he ever expected that from me because I've always been headstrong, being my own person, so he knew when he married me what it's going to be like. But once the children were here, and I was, again, right, okay, I'm still pursuing my career, whatever, wherever it's taking me. That's when the problems came in. So not so much at work, it came in at home. That the husband, yeah. He didn't say, yeah. you have to stay home. It was, well, I earn most yeah. money. Um, you're working less hours than me. That should be your responsibility, which is, well, for me, it's worse thing you could say to me because that's, I turn on my heels and I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So I don't know if anybody else experienced that. But, but maybe things have changed. You know, that's a long time ago as well. Just, just from kind of a, a now perspective, I think, it's interesting because uh, my husband is a CTO, um, so we both follow the company together, but he kind of allows me, I suppose, to, to lead the business. Um, he's really good, he does all sorts, but I'm still CEO of the house as well as CEO of the business. And I think it doesn't always matter how much kind of doing you have to do, it's the mentality of it, that you've yeah. been CEO of the house and CEO of the business. And I think that's the struggle. You could do everything, but I'd still feel like I was CEO of the house. And the children. And the children. Yeah. And and that's kind of And are you saying that's edge. are you saying that's what you want or what you don't want? I don't want to be CEO of the house. My coach said to me the other day, who will be CEO of the house? I said, Well he won't want to be. She said, Did you ask him? I was like no. Would you trust him to be? Probably not. And this is a different thing altogether. Yeah. Yeah. So, everything yeah. you've said, I'm like, yep. Yeah. If I said to Dan, jump, he'll say how high. Do this, do that, do that. So the other day, I thought, pick on him. (laughs) 
not really pick on him. I was angry about it. I said, I iron your shirts. Nobody asked me to iron the shirts, but we're not taking him to the iron. I already scared you that time, did you? <laughs> 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 Nobody asked me to iron the shirts. Yeah. But I didn't ever, I've never done the ironing because of COVID. Now I iron the shirts, which is fine. I'm sure I'll outsource it again when it's all safe. But at the moment, I'm ironing the shirts. So I was having a rant. And actually, Rob, it was on the back of what you'd said last time. So I'd kind of gone away and thought about this. I thought, right, we need to compartmentalise yeah. our lives and do this and do that. That's a great idea. Actually, that might let me lose my guilt and all the rest of it. Maybe we'll come on to that a bit later. But it was really good. So thanks for that. So I thought... I'm going to sit down with Dan and tell him this is what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to spend this okay. time. We're going to bring yeah. the babysitters in. Anyway, I saw that he didn't bring the hangers down, so I had to say, Daniel, you haven't brought the hangers down. And this is Daniel, Daniel. Daniel. No, not yeah. Dan. <laughs> no, you haven't brought the hangers down. I iron your shirts. Nobody asked me to iron your shirt. You know, it's just a bit of respect for you to bring the the hangers down. He said, but you didn't ask me to. <laughs> But you don't ask do, me do to iron the goddamn shirt. Do, do you feel Thank better you. about that now? Yeah. <laughs> Every time I think about it, what I find most hilarious about it is like, in my business now, there's 55 people I've got in an ops director because I don't want to manage the people because yeah. it's not something I like. But home, it's like, be my manager. Yeah. I don't want to be your manager. I know. But then we wouldn't trust them because Dan says, well, just hand it over to me. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> No, you, you wouldn't get the children ready. But I've only got to put the same nice, uniform yeah, on. Right. But you just wouldn't do it right. You wouldn't kiss him on the cheek the way I do it or send him off to school with his hat right. Or you, like, I don't think that they can win because we are strong women as well. It's just difficult, isn't it? It's trying to find that balance. We don't outsource that to anyone else either, so... Yeah. Maybe, Maybe we need a bit get harder it. because I, my job required me to drive one of the jobs 200 miles a day discussing sales. So I'd get up at five, wrap the kids up uh, when I was divorced, put them in my mum, go to my mum's house, leave them there. And I'd remind the ex-husband, don't forget you've got to pick the kids up. And he'd go, well, I'm going to be somewhere else. Says, bye. <laughs> and that would, that would be it. So I was, you know, yeah, you do have an element of guilt, but you, you have to, you have to. Be more yeah. Tracy. Yeah. What's, what's going to happen? What's the worst, you know, what's the worst could happen to them? Their dad is yeah. picking them up and taking them to school that particular day yeah. because it's not my yeah. turn. So perhaps I'm really hard ditch. So we have. <laughs> right. Do you think it makes for more well-rounded children? Actually, yeah. yes. And a more well-rounded kid. Yeah. So we have two loops open here, and I want to explore them both. Um, one is managing the house and the who works, who's at home, which is we've got to talk about this. And then the other one was the initial thread I started about a man's is it a man's world. So I was pleasantly surprised there because I do speak to some of my clients. Remember, a client, I have a lot of people I mentor um, and I've sp spoken to a lot of single parents in the lockdown because I think they've probably struggled more than many because they've got to homeschool and run their business and I do hear quite a few people saying look it's harder for us raising our children and running our business and it's a man's world and I wanted to get your thoughts on it because it might be or it might not be but I suppose the point I wanted to make is it doesn't really matter what it is or it isn't it matters what you perceive it to be and it matters what you're going to do about it and I don't want that to sound cold or callous or you know I know I am a 41 year old white male so if you take the tick the privilege boxes I yeah exactly Kim's like yes it's very privileged in every single way it's just yes it, it explains everything yeah you're the same you're a privileged man oh thank you um and, and, and so I get that, but, you know, my experience comes from helping a lot of people who are in these situations. But one thing I truly believe is until you take personal responsibility and 
and your uh, um, cause rather than effect. And it, whilst not everything is your fault, you own everything until you're in a space of full ownership. Well, you're always going to be a victim to being a woman in a man's world or whatever. Yeah. Um, so if you want to come back to the woman in a man's world, fine. That actually was when less confrontational than I thought it would, which is actually good. So let's come back to managing the house then, because surely this is just a, a discussion stroke negotiation between you and your partner or you and the people that you need help if you don't have a partner to agree what you do. So I'll give you some context and then I'm going to throw it all in for you. So my wife and I had an unwritten agreement, not unwritten, but unsaid really, it was assumed when um, we started and Gemma started working for us that she would work in the company and she sort of um, moved from accounts to event management and became event manager and then sort of coinciding with just before we had our first child so she'd been there a good five years plus she quit uh, and I was quite sad because I really liked her working for us but it caused some challenges and conflict um, and I think she felt a bit subordinated at work because I was her boss. So then she would unconsciously inflict much revenge at me at home and I would be subordinated at home. And it caused some some tension. And any of you relate to working with your partners, you know, and, and actually it wasn't that healthy for us and we couldn't really get away from work. So she uh, quit. And then she got pregnant and um, I just always thought, well, what do you want to do? And I always said, what do you want to do? If you want to work, great. If you want to, well, just, well, I'll support you whatever you want to do. We're in a financial position where you don't have to work if you don't want, but whatever you want. And she said, well, you know, I want to raise our children. Um, so she, it was sort of an unsaid thing. And then Bobby's eight, let's say, and Ariana's five. And we realised we've had such a separated roles. We've actually got quite a separated life. And I was not really parenting and she was not really doing anything else with me other than with the kids. And we'd kind of gone quite a lot like that. So if you're listening to the audio, we just lived this very separate um, life. And we actually realized that was also wrong because we weren't a proper unit. So we sat down and I said to Gemma, well, what do you want of me? And she said, no, Rob, I know you fucking hate this and I know you wrote that you outsource this in Life Leverage, but I'd really love you to do the kitchen every day and load the dishwasher because I fucking hate it. Um, and so I was probably in a susceptible moment, so I agreed to that. Um, and she said, and, and, and she gave me her list of requirements and then I gave her my list of requirements and we discussed it out. And um, we're a bit more blended now. I mean, obviously I run a big empire and she uh, looks after our children and the house full time. And the children in the house is a full time job. I mean, our house is so it's big and old and it's just it's a full time job. You've got all the way around the house and then you start again. And, and, and I don't like undermine the importance of that role. But actually her just doing the house and the kids and me just doing the company actually didn't work. It was not right for us as a family and we weren't together and a more blended approach where I do a lot more with the kids and okay, I might be in a fortunate position because I've got staff and that sort of stuff. And she's setting up her, she's got setting up her own business with her um, friend and she's doing a bit more for herself. That is much better for our relationship. And you know what? We never talked about it for eight years. I just, just assumed that that's what was what she wanted to do. And she assumed that that was what I wanted to do. And that was bad for our relationship. So I think there's a big argument for actually sitting down and going, well, how much involvement do you want? And I'd like you to have this much involvement and having a plan between you both. 
Because do you actually know if what your husband or partner is doing is what they want to do? Have you actually had that chat with them? And um, does, do they know, until they listen to this, of course, um, <laughs> but do they know how much you want them involved, but then you can't quite fully let go for them? Do they know that? Well, Dan still didn't bring the hangers down this week. Right. <laughs> However. Dan! Come on! Um, so, and this was off the back of the last session that we had. I did go back because it's right. I kind of didn't want him to know because I didn't want to let go because then I may have thought, oh, does that make me a terrible parent if he does this or I need to be the best of everything? But then shortly realised after last month that actually I'm not being the best of anything because I'm not not that I'm not happy I'm like I love my family and children um disclaimer but I mean for myself I felt that saying disclaimer didn't actually help there but I yeah. I Dad I love you uh, <laughs> but I was not I was so resentful of the position that I'd put myself in and I'm so, like I have to take full responsibility for it because if I said as I say if I said to Dan jump he'd say how high what can I do I need to go and fetch the children from nursery. Brilliant, I'll go and do that. And he's changed so much since we've had children. But I think it's me not letting go. But then after last month, I kind of explained to him why I didn't want to let go, because it would make me feel less of a person. And he said he got it, just didn't get the memo about the hangers. But, you know, I'm sure I'll let that go one day. <laughs> and actually, since then, it has been a lot better. I feel less guilty about coming here today. Um, we then set date nights which we hadn't done, we hadn't spent any time together. In fact, I'd imagine through lockdown, we probably at the end didn't really like each other very much because we just spent so much time trying to juggle the children and spent time that... So we've got like a little regime now. We do this once a month and we do that. And if we don't do it, then we need to come and like make the plan again. So I don't know whether that answers the question, but making a plan's a great idea. Yeah. I think yeah. you raise a really good point there. It's all about communication and... I've been with my husband for 25 years, married 19, 20 next year. So in that time, we've both grown in different ways, but we've always had open communication and talked about what it is we want. We've had independent living within a relationship. So we both pursue our own interests. And I think that's always been really important. And the children as well pursue their own interests. So actually we've got four different dynamics in the house. And it's something that um, my daughter said to me the other day, she said that her friend's mum had said, I feel really sorry for you, Holly, because your mum never takes you to places. You have to find your own way. So I know I like that because I, I can plan my own diary and do my own thing. I'm in control of my sort of own person. And she's almost 18, so, but this was a few years ago she'd said that. But it, it's interesting that, that when you are defining real roles and responsibilities in a business, you don't necessarily do that in a home, but I think that's actually really mm. useful to do that and have family chats with the kids, even when they're little. Just understand what you're talking about their values understand what their values are, understand what their dreams are, and build that into the whole plan. Build it into a family plan. Talk about mm. where they want to go on holidays, because they might have really good ideas. Yeah. You said, Dr. Demartini said, they'll teach you things. Oh yeah. my gosh, I've learned so much from my kids. Mm. It's so true. I think it's almost um, the key, I believe, is to have a high self-awareness, to know, first of all, about yourself, regardless the children relationships um business to know exactly what makes you feel fulfilled as a as a person that includes for some it includes mom 
some are not mothers, for some they are entrepreneurs, some are you know, employed and working for corporates, just to know what actually fulfills personally you. And that's the first step. And then making your way out of there. So then if you realize that that's the way to, I know about myself, I, I am a perfectionist, and uh, I, I, know, I know I can feel your thoughts without even commenting. So I, I know that about myself. That's how good a mentor I am. I don't even need to say it anymore. <laughs> and Start now, we'll get perfect later. Yeah. There you go, there you go. And it's, um, you know, I love that about myself, but I know how much, you know, disadvantage it can be at times. But as long as you know yourself and you know that, for example, personally for me, I know I can't be a housewife. I, it would not make me feel fulfilled. I know that I won't be the best mother for my children. Um, I know that I, I it, it's just for me personally, I, um, my mom's always been a working mom and I grew up in a completely um, different environment. It was Soviet Union time. My parents were engineers, young engineers. They had me very young. They, and, and I grew up on the map is just behind the North Polar Circle in the middle of tundra on the gas, gas fields. So that's where my upbringing was very different. And my parents been working hard all their lives. Yet, you know, I didn't have any extracurriculum classes or um, hockey games or um, any crafts events or the, or the concert. Much later, yes, but the Soviet Union environment was also very different. But what I had, that unconditional love, from my parents, they were so busy. There was, but, but there were always three of us. I'm the only one child, so maybe I benefited from them as well from that. Um, but ultimately, I knew that you know, for me, my mom is my role model. I wanted, I want to be like her. I want to be working. I want to be successful. I want to be fulfilled for my daughters to grow up and look at me and think, oh, I want to be just like mom. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they will. Thank you. Something that I wanted to tag on is that my husband had been working in a city and barely saw the children all the way through till about they were for 15 years. And then he went down to three days a week about 17 months ago and until last October, he's now been at home full time. So he's now full on parenting the children and he absolutely loves it. He's making up for huge amounts of lost time. And it's changed the family dynamic because he's cooking in the house now and he's doing all the things that he really wants to do, which is sort of help with the homework, even though they don't actually need it anymore. But he's just there for them and driving lessons, all those exciting mm. things. But he's able to do all of that. And, and I've really taken a backseat to allow that. Whereas before, I, I probably would have felt the, the sort of difficulty in relinquishing those roles. But yeah. now I know that that's so important and he's able to. He's got the headspace to take that on. And that's, and that's again, it's just... Balance, yeah, and, and he loved it. And probably before he didn't yeah. know he does. Yeah. Well, no, he knew he wanted to. It was just one of those difficult situations where he didn't leave work, but he couldn't. He couldn't at the time because we didn't have an alternative plan. But now we had the alternative plan and really focused on it. But it, it, it is. It is interesting to see that different shift in the house of of, of adapting to different roles. And yeah, you know, he does the dishwasher. <laughs> I actually get a lot of pleasure out of doing the dishwasher now because I'm, it's got to be the perfect way, right? Yeah, yeah, but I've, I've kind of got it down and I can get it in the maximum amount of time and I listen to a podcast and I just know, I know I'm contributing to Gemma because I think 
she probably knows what I've done over building my empire for 14 or 15 years. And, and maybe some of that is normal now. Don't say she takes it for granted, but it's normal. But just little bits like that, they give her 15 minutes here or there. So I'm always like, if you want to go to the gym, go to the gym. I'll sort that out. I'll get the kids ready in the morning. I'll do this. I'll do that. And I probably never would have seen myself like that because, you know, well, if I'm building the empire, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But, you know, many of you in this room are building your empire and raising your children. So why can't I be a bit more like that? So I think I've probably been quite inspired by a lot of the women in our community and realising actually you can have a little bit more of a blended role. Um, who, who see, who, I, I think the society we're in now, things aren't black and white anymore. and They don't have to be so blended. Um, can you be a stay-at-home dad? Yes. Can you be you know, an entrepreneur and drag your children around every now and again here and there? Yes. Um, and sort of chucking the rule book out the window and having a plan between you and your little family dynamic. But back to that point of you kind of, you want to let go, but you don't want to let go. You've got to let go. Otherwise, you're your own worst enemy, aren't you? Well, that's it. And, sure, and also, haven't you got to give them a chance to show that they can pick their kids up from school without killing them you know <laughs> you just got to give them that little bit of a chance and you know what they might do it a different way like they might they probably get to the kids to school in a different way i.e you think well the kids are clearly going to go to school naked if my um, partner sends them to school. i know i forget stuff all the time but then they have to remember it and then they know next time and then they can get themselves ready for school. But when you're getting them ready for school all the time, it's like the spoon feeding them. So yeah. sometimes the more paternal based, and by the way, paternal can be a woman as well, of course, but the more paternal role is a, or can often be a bit more independent. Go figure it out for yourself. Go figure it out for yourself. Like you are with the children. If you let the husband go and figure it out or the partner or whatever, then... They are, I think, well, what if I had to go to hospital for a week? They'd figure it and out. You have to figure it out. And what so feign an injury then, then and just go. I do put myself into Modishal Oaks. Yeah. <laughs> to a spa. And tell him it's the name of a hospital. <laughs> yeah, you're having yes. a procedure. No visitors allowed. <laughs> if he can dress himself and feed himself, your husband, then this he can, is the he thing, can do yeah. it for the children. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I was agreeing with you. Yeah, you just check it in, get dressed. I mean, like, it's not until I got divorced, unfortunately, that, um, and it was a 50 50 because the, the divorce, the agreement, the financial thing was I wouldn't touch the business that I'd helped him build as long as I could have something else. And so, but it was the agreement 50 50 that, you know, I've got a career. It's one of the things that split us off. And, you've got your business and you know we're going to share the children and they did they ended up living half of me half of them and he did then have to take them to school even yeah. though he was meant to be on site overseeing a build or something yeah. he had to make those arrangements so he should have really agreed in the beginning and then we wouldn't have got divorced <laughs> so he had to do it all you know he got yeah. the communication it's more than capable yeah. more than and in fact they quite like that that difference of Monday to whenever yeah. Wednesdays with mum, and then dad is the dad that does the silly things that go with the big bumps on the road, and it's really good fun going to school. And all yeah. this, you know. It's yeah. so it you know they're, they're going from both sides really, so they are more than capable, more more than capable of um, doing it. It's just that um, our, yeah. us sometimes we don't want to let go, yeah. and sometimes we have to in the end. Yeah. You know. I mean, I think so it's Jane, important. Just one sec. Oh, I would like you to carry on this, yeah. but I'm going to do something quite. Um, hopefully, you'll enjoy it. I really need the toilet. I've muted this. Um, and I'm going to go and I'm going to leave you to it. And you're just going to carry on and have a chat. And we're just going to have five minutes without me. 
That is muted, isn't it, Harry? Harry, how many times have you heard people go to the toilet on these? I've lost count. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jane, you carry on with what you want to say, and you guys just carry on and have fun and talk about whatever you want to talk about, yeah. and I'll be back in. Yeah. Yeah. Some outtakes. All right. Yeah. Uh, no, Rob doesn't know shit. Yeah. <laughs> all I was going to say is, is, is that. <laughs> Oh, sorry, Jane. Um, no, I was, I was just going to say that, um, you know, obviously all fathers are different, right? And some fathers are not really as participative as we would like. And, you know, sometimes you can be in a situation where, and I've seen it because obviously I'm also divorced and I've done a bit of dating, so I've seen lots of different people in different situations post-marriage, if you like, you know, with children. So I know that... Some fathers do step up to the plate, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and sometimes they step step up to the plate reluctantly. And the mothers, you know, they say, "Well," and, and I was always in this camp. I was like, "Look, you know, you've got to know your father. You've been with your father." But sometimes the men, they just don't want it, yeah, and they and they and that was the case with me. So, with my ex, um, you know, he just. Uh, he just felt as though he wanted to pick up the children whenever he wanted to pick them up. And he was very, very uncooperative. And I think it's, you know, there's a lot of women who are, they're running businesses with those kind of challenges. Yeah. And it's nice when it all works. And even sometimes it works quite well as a divorced woman. You know, if you do have a bit of space and you have a bit of time because you know, then the father's got the children. But when you're a woman who's actually separated because the father was basically not a very good father and not a very good husband, and then you end up being left with the children kind of six days out of seven or 13 days out of 14. And, you know, that that was my situation. And although, I, I mean, I don't want any sympathy for that because as I said, I'm thrilled to bits to have my girls and they're great and, you know, I'm through all of that. But... I think a lot of a lot of women will be in that situation and I think it's important just to you know in a way give a bit of a shout out for them but um it's not it's not easy if you're in that situation yeah it's really difficult and and those women will also be building businesses because they need that flexibility and to actually have a corporate career um with those kind of circumstances mm. almost impossible mm. so um so yeah which is why yeah give a little shout out a lot of admiration well. for you jane yeah because we're moaning that our husbands will jump as high as we tell them to but actually you don't have that luxury I've, it, well, I've never had that luxury no so so um i mean i separated from my ex when my children when my oldest children were two and four crikey. because he actually was very emotionally unstable and, yeah. and you know it ended up being a bit violent you know so i had to run away but after that because he felt very resentful and very angry that i got rid of him and deprived him of what he saw as you know he was a bit crazy but his rightful you know place in in the family home then he continued to misbehave with you whenever he could. I was just just saying, Rob, that uh, just to give a shout out for women who don't necessarily have a situation where there is um, a supportive mm. husband or a supportive ex. Yeah. There's a lot of women who have had very challenging 
relationships and they're basically left, left with the children are also running businesses mm. and making the best of a situation that is quite difficult. And somebody said earlier about trauma makes you, can't think that's in my notebook, but were you, t yeah, it was you, it was you, Rob, and you said about the people. I'm glad so memorable, you can't even remember, thanks. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, it's been a long day. <laughs> who, yeah. The work ethic of people who have experienced trauma, so that probably makes you work hard and you know that you're doing it for your children and it is all down on you so that's that's amazing so i'll chuck something in at this point i think what i'd like to start doing now if it's okay with you is spin it around and let's all give solutions yeah. so obviously we've we've had our therapy session all of us and we've put our yeah. two pence in of our experience which is great now let's go as many solutions for mumpreneurs we're using that word as we can um so i've i see this across the board with entrepreneurs um, it doesn't really ma matter how much time you give someone, it matters how they use that time. And I know entrepreneurs who've got all day every day and they're fucking about. And our entrepreneurs who've got two or three hours, two or three evenings a week only, and they're on it because that's all they've got. So I know it, and I am glad you raised that, Jane, because if you're single and you've got, you're the primary carer of the kids, that is damn hard. But one thing I will say is they might have less hours but they will be much more productive, or they should be much more productive and highly focused in those hours. Mm. And obviously, you know, you referred to my um, book, Natalia, Start Now, Get Perfect Later, Life Leverage, Routine Equals Results. These books are all there to help people be ruthlessly productive. Mm -hmm. And you know what? You, can, you know this. You can get in, done in 10 hours. What you can also get done in 40 hours. Either you're on a mission or you're messing about. But you, so, and, and I find really traumatized people who have got a, a mission and a message they've endured loads of struggle immigrants single parents people have had it really hard they are on it and they're not wasting time and when they work they work and i know a lot of people who when they work they procrastinate and daydream and get overwhelmed and take for granted how much time and support they've got so my first kind of i suppose helpful tip would be it's not about how many hours you've got it's about how you use those hours and 10 good hours a week for three years is far better than 40 good hours a week and then none, and then 40 and then none, because that snakes and ladders up back to zero, up back to zero, up back to zero. Better to get small and steady compounding. And this is why I wanted to sort of address the issue with maybe if um, women or single parent entrepreneurs compare themselves to others, oh, they've got it easier because they've got two of them. They've got a supportive environment. They haven't got the trauma. You know, it's a, I'm a woman in a man's world. If you think all these things, you give power externally whereas if you go right I've got 10 hours a week and not, I'm not messing around these 10 hours I'm getting serious proper work done you can get a lot of work done I keep 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. free and sometimes I can get more done in those, those two hours than I could a whole day if I know I've got to get it all done by 8 so let's start with you then Amy what, what would be a, a practical tip or a solution for any mumpreneurs out there juggling everything to maybe um, be a bit more productive, proactive, balanced, what would you say? I would say uh, stop filling in the moments and start finding fulfilling work. And the compound effect, Darren Hardy, he mentioned a relationship review, which is to touch base with your partner once a week and say what went well, what didn't go so well, what are we looking forward to next week? And same for your business, same, same thing applies. So it is a bit like running a business, a family, and... It is, it's an ecosystem, isn't exactly it? Exactly that. Yeah. So that would be what I would say. Okay, thank you. Jane? 
I would say get your children to do what they can do for themselves from an early age. So get them to clear up their bedrooms, uh, do their own washing, uh, do their own... Sell your shit online. Yeah. <laughs> do do, do yeah. your personal brand, do Facebook Lives age three. Well, yeah. Honestly, I'm just I'm, I'm, I mean, my children are very, very um, entrepreneurial and very independent. Yeah. And they don't need to be taught because they've seen it modelled. And um, yeah. and they don't expect me to cook for them. They don't expect to wash their clothes. They don't expect me to clean, you know, nothing. You know, and that's because of the way that they've been brought up. Mm. And it frees up so much time for me. So yeah. uh, that that's what I'd say. Start early and don't do for them what they can do for themselves. That's, uh, that's that really good, yeah. My kids both, they cook for the family every night. They mm -hmm. alternate between the two of them and they have done for the last two years. And they love doing that. Yeah. Because they feel like they're contributing and they take it in turns. So right. and it frees up so much time. Yeah. Yeah, it's time. Yeah. Our, yeah. Our time is precious. Yeah. Mm. Tracy, what would you yeah, say? Yeah, uh, the same again, really. I mean, you know, when I was married, we would try to communicate, but that fails at the end of it. You know, we tried to come together each each week to talk about things, but, you know, sometimes the dynamic, dynamics wear out. So as a single mother then, um, sharing the, the childcare, um, I would get them involved, I taught them both to cook, or they would just stand over and watch and take part. They can basically look after themselves. Mm. Um, but they weren't, they weren't cooking, first of all, because one was, one was five and one was seven, so they were young children. Um, but for me, the important thing I, I felt, one of the important things was I, I got them involved in the business somehow. Because all they saw was, you know, oh, they're going with daddy now, where's mum going to work? They couldn't actually visually see what mummy was doing. So at that point, I had a training, uh, a training company. So I would get them involved at the weekends if I was going into the offices to check things, get them stacking up the coffee machines, just doing things like that, totally get them involved. Because then I found that they... Um, not more synthetic, but more of an understanding to what I was what I was doing. But let them have, you know, unleash unleash it, yeah. and let them have that bit of run, mm. and um, you'll find that they're growing to really super super grown ups. Yeah, my dad got me working really young, like illegally young, yeah. <laughs> six, <laughs> bottling up and counting yeah. money and involved behind the counter pulling the pipe. She couldn't yeah. even see my head. <laughs> and, and actually, I, I have such fond memories of that, and that, mm. and it. I think it's a great idea to get them involved in your business where you can, obviously where yeah. it's practical. Yeah. If you're going out on property viewings, if you can, take them. I get ages, and, but yeah. where you, I think it's a great thing. Get them involved. People authenticity. And I used to let my daughter um, answer the mobile, or where she started it herself, the mobile would be running, uh, and then I'd be doing something. And she would also go, Christy Vincent said, and she was only about seven, eight or seven. And, it. It, you know, and the people on the end would say, oh, 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 okay, I'll just push you over to the And then it sort of broke the ice already. And they'd say, oh, they have a lovely voice, your daughter's gone. Oh, she hasn't really. Yeah. But, um, and it, 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 it yeah. worked because people, you know, it, um, they just saw authenticity. And yeah. I'm working with the children and um, yeah, mm. it worked well. So, yeah. Love it. Claire? I think um, constantly redesigning. So, I think we're really privileged. We're not working nine to five. We can work things around. So we can fit it in school hours or we can work on an evening if we want to or work on a morning. But definitely the children um, that I've got to and for, everything's constantly changing. Three months ahead of now, there'll be a different routine. And I just think you just got to keep moving and keep reassessing. Does this work? Does this not work? Mm. Put um, longer in the morning to work here before they get up, put it in at the night. Just keep redesigning. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kim? I think what's really important is to make time for yourself, even if it's just an hour a week, but you are important. And if you can't, what's the saying? You can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. Fill your own cup. Yeah. Yeah, I would echo a lot of what everyone said, but I think this um, getting your needs met and not making assumptions, so actually telling people what you need and like involving your family saying, I need two hours to go and record and edit a podcast. I think a lot of what happens is we internalise it and we say, they won't give us that, I should be doing this, I can't even ask. And sometimes when you just put it out there, you get it. Mm. I think another thing would be not to obsess on the like micro moments and the micro decisions and keep coming back to... Why am I doing this? Like that future vision. And yeah, what will this be like for the kids long term? Yeah. Rachel. I think that if um, you are a female entrepreneur and a parent, that your job is CEO, whether that's of your business, your side hustle, your life, your household. And that in the role of CEO, you're there to create, inspire, lead and delegate. And you just have to follow through on all of that. So create opportunities, create the space, your time, your energy. Um, inspire those around you and um, not just your family but your, your network to want to support you and want to be part of your journey and um, lead by example so that your kids like we've spoke so many times just want to be like you and then delegate the shit that you don't want to do you know you can't have you know you don't have time to do so that would that would be mine great natalia awesome. yeah i, I 100 echo what all these wonderful moms entrepreneurs just mentioned but it's slightly a different and very practical point what i found extremely helpful um is oh i'm wrong the 5am club um so on uh, during the lockdown this was going so well <laughs> hey look i'm up at five i'm up at five i'm just not bragging about it exactly but, but we can talk more about that because okay. i think you're getting Anyways, you're getting it wrong slightly. You have to go to bed <laughs> early as well. I do. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I thought you had some I've been doing this a little while. I, I thought you had some runs on social media. Rants, yeah, but my rant on about the 5M Club was everyone bragging about the 5M Club. Right, okay. Because if you're bragging about it, you haven't got time to actually work at 5am. So it wasn't that you shouldn't get up at 5am. Stop bragging and shaming everyone else for not getting up at five. And I think we all have a different circadian rhythm. And I think that some people work, creatives often work really late well, don't they? Mm. And you're absolutely right. If you're going to go to bed early, sorry, going to get up early, you've got to go to bed early. You can't go to bed late and get up early. But anyway, this is your time to shine. Thank you, Rob. So it's personal, my personal experience. And I've never been an early bird by no means. Something I've tested and tried mm. my mentor's advice. And um, so, and over the lockdown, it really worked. The 5 a.m. start, so mm. early night, early start, really set you off for the day. And it opened up, it, 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 did, it did something to my, personally, to my mindset. Um, and generally, the fitness level, the that reflection 20 minutes that we have, I started journaling something i've never imagined i would do in my life so i started doing the 20 minutes of journaling in the morning and then learning something completely new and i i absolutely enjoyed it within that lockdown moment which um i i took on so the business moved on i now have a um a, a relatively big work with working with a developer on on the 
Um, it is like a luxury building um, church conversion into full luxury townhouse. So it's a big project for my growing young business. Um, I became a financial director of a charity in the education industry, Professors Without Borders, and also running household, running um, homeschooling, and supporting my husband, who's, I'm, I'm blessed in that case, he's, he's very supportive of me, what I'm doing, and tries to contribute as much as he can, but he's in the corporate world, in a very demanding job, a long, long hours. So we work as we can, but personally for me, the 5am club was a solution to a lot of problems. So it's worth giving a try. That's mm. all I'm saying. It may not work with everyone's... I'm in the 5am club. <laughs> I get up at 5am. This was the misconception. I just don't brag about it. Do you go to bed then? Do you get up at 5? Would you say? Oh, it's nine, <laughs> nine, nine, about that. 9.30? Yeah. Just getting in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but the, 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 there's a lot of people in the 5am club. There's a lot that not, but there's a lot of people that are shaming everyone else. Yes. And that was that was what, what my round was about. No, no, you have to know your time. own rhythm. I, I would say one thing I would definitely back up the 5am club about is the practical element. No one else is up. Yeah. So there's no distra uh, distractions or interruptions. And I, I mean, about... About eight o'clock, things start to distract social media. People starting to wake up, emails start squeezing in then. So that time from 5, 5.30 to 8 is a pure, unadulterated, non-distraction. And if you're on it, you can get a day's work done in two or two and a half hours. Well, as a, as a mom entrepreneur, I was trying to leave things after the kids' bed. Mm. So and then you're knackered. And yeah. you're knackered. Yeah. Zero productivity. The world is... You know, relaxing, enjoying themselves, yeah. sleeping, and I'm doing all nighters. There's so many all nighters. I've probably yeah, it's not healthy. Doing job, and then I, I knew that what I knew about myself that I need to needed to have four hours sleep to get through the next day. So as long as I got four hours, oh, of but sleep, that's so low. Exactly. Yeah, and and that's how how it was working. It just wasn't working, and no. I realized that once I sank those. Um, Good night songs. That's it. I'm, I'm off. I, I can't function anymore. But I have to push through that. So you sing good night songs, do you, before you go to bed? Oh, oh, with the children. I just picture you just singing them to yourself in, in Russian. You know, like that. in Russian, in fact, yes. Two and two and the um, three, three and five year olds. Yeah. Right. Bless. Cool. Uh, okay. Um, this has been fantastic. Um, I'll just chuck a few things in myself to finish off. Um, so I just, these aren't really, I think you've all um, said brilliant things. And of course, you're far better positioned than me. Um, I, I would just like to pick up on one thing that someone has said that Kim said, because I really do believe this, seeing this with so many people, uh, you can't pour from an empty cup. I think that is a, a lovely saying. And as a mum, if you are looking after yourself, you feel healthy, you feel like you're kind to yourself, you're not beating the shit out of yourself, you're doing a few things for yourself, but not neglecting your children, I actually think you, you're a better mum for it because you can give from a full cup. And, and that, I think, is what a lot of people struggle with is because there's a lot of resentment when you end up feeling like you, 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 you can't be you. You might resent your partner, you might resent your children. I think that's vital. And you know, they say with the airplane, you put the gas mask on yourself first. Mm -hmm. Not the gas mask, no way. Oh, the, the gas mask. Yeah, you kill yourself first. You know what? The last few days I've been getting these Is things wrong. All the, how, I did it yesterday on a video. I said to Mark, I've been alive for six centuries. And he looked at me going, what? And I said, I've been alive for six centuries. The 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, the 10s and the 
twenties. He went decades, mate. Decades. <laughs> anyway, um, so yes, amen to that, Kim. Um, right. So you are not alone. I think that's really important, uh, and I think many people but especially mums can struggle alone you don't converse with your partner you don't converse with your children you don't converse with a mentor and you don't ask for help and that's entrepreneurs are, are buggers for that we often just think we should do it we can fix this so don't be scared to ask for help because it's not a weakness it's a strength um, and I think it's also important to remember that everyone listening and all of you around the table, you inspire a lot of people. And I think we forget that. I have moments where I've got a lot of problems going on. And in that, in that moment, there'll be a serendipitous moment where I'll get a lovely voice memo or I'll get a lovely private message. I'm, I'm getting quite a lot of handwritten letters written, written to me at the moment of gratitude. And sometimes you can get focused on, oh, I'm not really making a difference. I'm fucking everything up. This isn't going well. Well, actually, you're inspiring a lot of people and that's good to remember. So, Amy, Jane, Tracy, Claire, Kim, Kirsty, Rachel, Natalia, Harry, and me. Thank you very much. I don't know if this was any good. I feel like it was fun. I hope you enjoyed it. I mean, we'll wait for the feedback from the community. Harry, initial thoughts. What do you think as a concept? I really like it. It's something we've never done before. Yeah. I don't think Harry has got the choice though now. <laughs> yeah, so he's going to say, no, that was shit, that's not Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got any children, Harry? No. You're going to have any anytime soon? No, it's clearly not after this. Um, what did you all think? What did you expect it to be like? And Loved it. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was great. Good. Really good. Yeah. Good to talk. What did you think? I was actually nervous. I, did, I, I, I know you sensed it. I was nervous. I've never done a podcast with nine people. I've never done a podcast with eight other women um, with a lot of expectation. Yeah, I was nervous, actually. But obviously, once we started, it was fine. Um, I think for me, the important thing is, are you relatable? Yes. Um, did Do I think we got all that? Because I was making notes of the points I wanted us to make. Did we make all those points? Yes. Do I think we left anything major out? I don't think so. And people will give us feedback if they did. Um, and I've really enjoyed hanging out with you all. <laughs>